Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to the FT Money Show, the FT's most popular weekly podcast. I'm Claire Barrett, and I'll be giving you all the week's money news in downloadable form with the help of my FT colleagues Naomi Rovnik, Hugo Greenhalgh, and our special studio guest, Lindsay Cook, our money mentor columnist. First, exploring the last of the tax loopholes. The Chancellor and the tax authorities have been quick to close down tax avoidance schemes, such as those providing film finance, in recent years. But some legitimate tax reliefs remain, including the Enterprise Investment Scheme, set up to encourage the wealthy to back early-stage businesses with the carrot of mitigating tax. Advisors may offer you some very unusual businesses to invest in, however, as our reporter Naomi Rovnik has been finding out this week. Naomi, thanks for joining us today. So what kinds of unusual investment ideas are advisors touting? I decided to look into tax relief products because I was reading so many headlines about the government stamping down on tax avoidance and closing down schemes and things that I would have thought of as fairly mainstream maybe 10 years ago, such as film finance and our schemes. So I thought, is that huge industry that used to sell tax relief inspired investments still around? And if so, what are they selling? What are they selling? Some really unusual and interesting things. For example, crematoria. Now, right. crematoria, for many of us, could be, although unusual, the perfect tax mitigating investment. If you start up a new crematoria, you get enterprise investment scheme relief. Right. So your investors do, which means, for example, you'll get a 30% income tax break. After two years... This qualifies for inheritance tax relief because under something called business property relief, it's a stake in a trading business. Right. It's difficult to bequeath stakes in businesses to your children that they may not want or may not understand. But we all understand crematoria and there's going to be a good supply of um, customers for these um, businesses (laughs) for a while. So perhaps that's quite a sensible thing to do. And why are some of the tax relief products that are still on sale, such as investments in in crematoria or even leasing out dustbin vans, so unusual? The government has closed the net around the business activities that qualify for EIS. For example, it used to be possible to invest in a pub that was already trading. Maybe it was really successful and get EIS-based reliefs. Now the government has said, no, you need to be taking risk. The reason that we give reliefs is because you are taking the risk of backing Mm. a young or unproven business. So even though we've got so many pubs closing across the UK each year, probably one near you has shut down, people still might want to invest in them. And the government says, well, you're being very brave, so we'll give you a relief. And what the 
tax-inspired product industry does, really, is to continually think up investments that reliefs would still apply to, either because the government backs those reliefs or because they haven't noticed that this is an industry they should legislate away. So one thing that the government hasn't thought of closing down or perhaps doesn't want to close down is self-storage units. So companies that design tax-mitigating investment products are getting into self-storage. And of course, with with homes getting smaller and rents getting more expensive, that's a a business idea that may well grow in the future. But who are these high-risk products aimed at? Are they suitable for your average private investor? And what do trustees lawyers make of them let's look at this question by talking about the dustbin vans so there's a company called triple point and they are like the leasing department of a bank really they have a company called something like triple point leasing and it leases vehicles to municipal authorities dustbin vans street sweepers for example also perhaps ambulances or mri scanners to nhs trusts that's a business property relief product so if you buy a stake in the leasing company that leases the dustbin vans and the street sweepers, you can, so it's said, bequeath that as a legacy to your children without it being caught by inheritance tax. Why would that be suitable for a private investor? The people who design the products believe it is, they say, because it's an annuity-type product. Most councils don't go bust. Dustbin vans are things we all need. So it's a very nice, regular, very low return, but very nice, regular cash flow coming in. So it's aimed at people who might want the business relief to mitigate inheritance tax, but don't really want to own a business. OK, and what do HMRC say about these products? I mean, like the film schemes, is there a risk that businesses investing in dustbins or, dare I say it, crematoria could be shut down in the future? I think the people who design these products have a tightrope to walk on. They will say that there's no risk of them being shut down or very little risk of them being shut down because all they're doing is taking advantage of existing legislation. The government has legislated for the Enterprise Investment Scheme and the reliefs that come with that. BPR, Business Property Relief, has been around since the 70s. HMRC, on the other hand, says any scheme whose main purpose is tax avoidance is not allowed. If you go into a scheme for the purpose of avoiding tax, you will not be allowed the reliefs. So HMRC and the industry that supplies and designs and sells these products are in constant dialogue. One of the the accountants I spoke to about this, their business is gaining what's called advanced assurance from the revenue. So if you're a responsible product provider, you go to the HMRC, you pay a lawyer, you pay an accountant to go and get this advanced assurance for you. And if you are at all interested in buying these rather esoteric products, the first question you should ask is, does it come with advanced assurance from the revenue? If it doesn't, I would stay clear. And the companies that put these products together say that it's an expensive business, as we've been hearing, and that's why they charge hedge fund style fees in some cases. Now, is this argument justified or is this an industry that gets away with charging too much because people are dazzled by the potential tax savings on offer? Sure. The traditional hedge fund charging structure, and that's being eroded, is 2 and 20. So 2% management fee, 20% of profits if a certain performance benchmark is reached. These tax relief inspired products, shall we call them, often come with 5, 2 and 20. And you may pay a 5% upfront fee. So you invest 100,000, 95,000 gets invested, the other five goes to the provider. Then you may pay a 1.5% to 2.5% management fee, like people would pay to their hedge fund guy in Mayfair. Then you've often got a 20 or 25% performance fee on top of that. 
the people who design the products say with things like having to go to the revenue for advanced assurance, having to change their offer a lot to fit in with ever-changing legislation, having to source investments from a a shrinking pool. Mm. Some of the products that I've looked at in the piece invest in startup businesses. They can be hard to find, especially ones that you want to back. Yeah, clues Um, in the name. Cynics would say that people are just dazzled by the tax reliefs. If you're going to get 30% back, then you maybe don't mind that your 100 grand has been turned into 90 or 89 grand after all these costs and charges. You might think, well, I've just got 30 from the revenue. So really, they're only taking money off of my 130 instead of my 100. And that's how the people who design the products will sell it. Well, I think the key thing is go into anything like this with your eyes open and with independent advice sought. Well, thank you very much, Naomi. And you can read FT Money's cover feature telling you everything you need to know about all of these issues this weekend. Still to come on the show, are you relying on bricks and mortar to provide the foundation to your retirement? Before that, as the invites for Christmas parties plop onto your doormat, chances are you've been busily ringing dates on your calendar. However, Lindsay Cook, our Money Mentor columnist, warns this week that if you lose track of other less festive but arguably more important calendar dates, it could cost you hundreds or even thousands of pounds. Lindsay, thanks for joining us today. In your column this week, you argue that companies in the financial services sector, the banks, big insurers, utility companies, are all profiting from our inertia as consumers. How come? Well, a lot of people do go for fixed mortgages, special deals on insurance, and they forget when they expire. And so with a fixed rate mortgage, there are a lot of people who took out two-year mortgages just before the mortgage market review. They forget when it finishes and then suddenly get a payment taken out of their bank account that is probably getting on for twice as much because it's gone to the standard variable rate. Mm. Because of the mortgage market review, they now have to apply for their new mortgage and need a lot more information. If their circumstances have changed, it can be difficult. Some are actually stranded on those rates. But it's essentially get ready. So you've got all your documents for mortgage market review applications and be prepared to move to another lender. Quite often, the ones that have given you a a super deal at the outset charge you a lot on the standard variable rate. Well, yes, let's let's look at fixed-rate mortgages slightly more closely. Now, many people are tempted to take a fix right now ahead of an expected rate rise in the US, but you've noticed a worrying pattern in those numbers. As I say, the ones that are the very cheapest, they have stonking arrangement fees and the cheapest ones are the shortest ones, they probably will mature just about the time when rates do go up. So you're then in a market with rising interest rates, rising standard variable rates, trying to remortgage. And those that are cheapest go on to some of the industry's most expensive variable rates. Yeah, over 5% in some cases. And you really should allow a couple of months, um, listeners, to sort out your remortgaging. We've been hearing from people that it does really take that long in the current climate. But mortgages aren't the only thing that you've been looking at, Lindsay. Insurance products, both for home and and car insurance, have an automatic renewal so that consumers are never without cover. But this is also quite handy for the industry. It is quite handy for the industry. They're obviously just serving our interests. But it's surprising how often, even when home insurance companies have had fewer claims because there wasn't a bad winter last year or their costs are lower they manage to secretly put an extra £50 or so on your household insurance. Most of them don't tell you what last year's premium was. So you've got to When they send through the renewal letter. Yeah. 
So you have to scurry through all your documents. AXA has just started doing it. Others will, but not yet. And you then have to go on and say, why have you increased this? I live in leafy Sussex. There haven't been any floods here or anything. They go away. And you know what? They say they're checking their record. They come back and it's £2 less than last year's. My son tried to do it with his motor insurance. They said, no, we don't want to do that. But he went to another insurer because he started early enough and he got £150 off, so he's better off than he was last year. So, all in all, allow the time so that you don't get rolled over. I've even come across people who do all the checks, go to another insurance company, forget to cancel the automatic renewal. I've come across three people recently who've told me that they were paying for two lots of insurance. They found out pretty quickly, but you then have to cancel the old one. They sometimes argue that you haven't noticed it quickly enough so you don't get the full 12 months back. You just have to be careful. Put things in your diary. Well, it's very good advice. And one final thing, your insurer may use the excuse of this new tax that the Chancellor's levied on the industry as a cloak for giving you a higher premium this year, you think? Oh, absolutely. They'll use any cloak. But at the moment, they don't tell you. They expect people to get a renewal and it says £400. You think, it's about £400 last year. You don't remember the precise details. I'm a sad person. I file all these things so I can just go straight away and look and say, oh, no, it's more, and argue the the point. If we all do it, they'll have to start being a bit more honest. Well, that's why, Lindsay Cook, you are our money mentor. Thank you very much for appearing on the show today. Before our final item, a reminder that you can read this week's FT Money as part of the Weekend FT, which is widely available on both Saturday and Sunday, or read us online, ft.com slash money, and follow us on Twitter, at FT Money. Figures out from the Office of National Statistics this week showed that more and more of us are relying on property, not a pension, to fund our retirement. In fact, around half of Britons seem to think that property investment will prove more financially fruitful in their later life than a conventional pension plan. I'm joined by Hugo Greenhalge, the FT's wealth correspondent. So, Hugo, what exactly did this week's data show us? It's interesting, but the the love affair with property that the British public have continues unabated. We believe that property is going to be far more lucrative uh, in our retirement than our pension plan is, whether it be a workplace pension or whether it be a uh, personal pension plan. Whether that's true or not, you've got to look at the stats behind now. The nationwide uh, house price index suggests that if you lived outside London, the average house price over the past 10 years Mm. has gone up by about 24%. Compared with looking at the average balance managed pension fund, was increased by 60%. Mm. That changes, however, if you live in London. And the the figures are for houses, it's gone up by 83%. So if you're a Londoner uh, with your eyes on the property uh, sector, then you're probably right to stick with property. But outside of London, make sure your pension plan is is up to date, basically. Okay, so should people um, be relying on a property, either the home that they live in or a buy-to-let, to to provide for them? I mean, surely property prices can't keep on rising forever. Is it a question of of sexy versus safe, I wonder? The property property is, is obviously always much more of a kind of headline banner issue for investors. Partly because, again, the numbers are so out of control inside London. Outside of London, the picture changes. Of course it does. But will it continue to go up? There's already talk of a bubble uh, rising in the residential property markets. We'll come to find out what happens with that at some point. But if you are stepping outside a pension, talking to Tom McPhail at Hargis Lansdowne about this, and you are missing out 
from a workplace pension, such factors as your contributions from your employer, for example, or tax release, or, or control of withdrawals. Mm. There are all these various factors which determine your life over the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years, where a pension plan is probably far more appropriate than what could be your entire whack in one property. Or if you're lucky enough, you could have both. But what else did the ONS survey tell us about pension trends that caught your eye? Rather worryingly, um, half of us, that's 50%, um, said that they weren't able to pay into a pension because mm. either they earn too little, they were a student, or they were unemployed. Now, that's worrying on many different levels, not least that it's gone up uh, by about 12 percentage points since the last time the ONS looked at this. Now, Francis O'Grady, the Secretary General of the Trades Union Congress, was also very concerned about this, as, as well she should be. She told us, that we cannot afford to have a whole swathe of society not saving for their future. And she's right. I mean, if we are dodging pensions because we can't afford them, then the nature of the pensions itself must change, surely. Well, thanks very much. That was Hugo Greenhalge, the FT's wealth correspondent. We'd love to know what you think about the last remaining tax loopholes, how you've been tripped up or even secured a victory with a contract renewal, or about money matters more generally. You can get in touch with us via email. Our address is money at ft.com, or you can tweet us at ftmoney. And you can leave comments at the foot of individual articles on our website at ft.com slash money. There is just time to tell you what else is in this weekend's edition. Remember Daniel Godfrey? The former head of fund management trade body, the Investment Association, was ousted last month after several large members tired of his support for more consumer-friendly measures. Well, he's given FT Money his first interview, which will be required reading for any fund investors among you. And have you got any valuable books lurking in your attic? A new rare books index of 20th century classics says that a first edition of The Great Gatsby could be worth a quarter of a million pounds. Plus, we've shared tips from our sister publication, The Investor's Chronicle, and the latest director's deals. The FT Money Show is produced and edited in London by Adam Palin and Naomi Rovnik. We will be back next week. But for now, it's goodbye from me, Naomi, Hugo and Lindsay. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.